Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, give your neighbor a high five or something. Come on now. Come on. Man, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're at church this morning with us. Such an honor to be here with you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. That's where we'll be in just a moment, Mark chapter 2. Now, it's really great because we're in a uh, vision this year. We have a vision for our life. How many need a vision for their life? You need a vision, direction, you, you, need a, you need to have a vision for your finances, a vision for your family, a vision for your kids, a vision for a destination, right? Vision is good. But if you don't write down the vision, how many quickly forget? I forget. So we wrote down our vision, win the city. Win the city. That's, that's an audacious, that, that, is a, that is a dream right there for 200 people to win the city. 200 people to win the city. I, I mean, Pastor Ben, are you kidding? We, there's 1.4 million people in the city. I don't think we're going to win the city. And uh, I'll just say this. Sometimes for me and I think for you, you, you set such a big vision, a big dream, and you find yourself that's the only way to take small steps towards it. Have you ever found that to be true? Like, like um, if you don't have anything, you just don't move. Or if it isn't big enough, you, you won't move. You need something that's going to challenge you. And so that's what's happened. And I love it because there's many people in our church that have taken hold of this. And there were 30 young professionals and um, people from Luminous who met on Valentine's Day last week. And they, they gathered up at the church and they put together roses and chocolates. And instead of Trying to find out who they're going to hook up with that week or, or that night. They were going to love the community, love the city, because that's what they want to do, win the city. They handed out over 140 flowers and chocolates to people, had conversations, had opportunities, pray for people. Um, just some amazing things happened through that. Can we give our young professionals a hand? You know what I love is, you know, if you, if you preach a vision, to your kids, or preach a vision to your friends, or preach a vision to yourself even, um, what will happen is they'll grab a hold of it. And it's not so much policy or dictating or programming, but it's something they just own and do. And what I love is like these young professionals decide to do that on their own volition. That is incredible. And so I'm so thankful for that. I want to ask you a question. If you have a piece of paper, uh, uh, iPhone, some notes. Uh, you could use a Connect card on the back of your row. I want everybody to take out a piece of paper, and I want to ask you a question. I want you to write down three words. Three words I want you to write down this morning. How would you describe yourself? Three words. <laughs> some people are laughing. How would you describe yourself? Three words. Write it down. Three words. I'll give you a moment to do that. I, uh, I, depending on where I am in life or my mood that day could, could um, definitely deter what I put down. I mean, for sure. So uh, you, you're writing down stuff. Some of you uh, may be uh, writing down tall, dark, and handsome, right? <laughs> tall, dark, and handsome. That's, that's me. Some of you may be writing down like fit, hipster, uh, uh, always on point, on fleek, finesse, whatever it may be. You may be writing down that. Some of you are writing down not appearance things, but personality things. Outgoing, shy, extrovert, introvert, likable, loner, all these things. Some of you are writing down maybe a hobby. You're, you're a golfer. You're a football player. Hey, come on now. We got a UTEP rep up in here. So you may be that. 
And some of you may be a little deeper. You really thought because, you, you know, you have to be deep because this is a deep question. And if it's not deep, it's not real and sincere. So you're writing down, you know, um, things like, like successful. I feel like I'm very successful. Or, or maybe you're writing down failure. And maybe it's not all positive terms. Maybe you're writing down words like disappointment. Maybe you're writing down different words like that. I want you to take those and, and put them away, and we'll look at them at the end of service today. What I want to talk about today is overcoming labels. Overcoming labels. We've been in this series of Overcomer, and this series has been rough for me. Because the first week we talked about comparison, and after I preached all week, I was comparing. That's all I was doing. It was comparing things. I was like, why did I preach this? This is all I'm doing. And then last week, I talked about apathy and, and like, focus on one thing, and I was focusing on everything. I was, I was constantly misfocused. And, and do you ever find that to be true, is if you pray for something, you're tested in that very thing you prayed for? God, give me, give me patience. And then right there, it's a three-hour wait for their doctor's appointment because you have cyanitis. Is that uh, something like that? The flu? That's easier. You have the flu? You know, whatever it may be. So, so, so you know, it's, it, that's why people say, be careful what you pray for because you're going to go through a test. Now, I will say this. Does the prayer and the actual focus bring about the test or does it bring about an awareness that you've already been in? I, I don't know which one. Is it the chicken or the egg? I'm not sure. But I do know this for sure. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. And as we talk about labels today, I guarantee you, you're going to be thinking about labels this week. And you're going to be tested with all these labels. I grew up in Midland, Texas, a West Texas boy. Uh, there's two high schools there. It's Midland Lee and Midland High School. They were rivals. My wife went to Midland Lee. I'm so sorry for her. And uh, that was... <clears throat> Midland Lee was all middle class students, mostly middle class incomes went to Midland Lee. Midland High was polarizing. You were either rich or poor. And I'll just say this, we were on the ladder in my family. And, and, and the, the, the thing that you wore there, if you were a prep, you wore the, the light blue, like light blue Levi's with some boots and a polo shirt and a hat that needed to be washed 10 years ago. Like, where did you find that hat? You buy a hat and you like rub dirt on it the day you buy it. It's, it was crazy. And, and that made you like set apart. Well, I, I wanted to be that. I wanted that label. And, and maybe, maybe this is a silly analogy for some of you kind of move past it, but I'm just going to say this, is that we all do this to some extent or wrestle with this at any point. We were at the San Antonio Rodeo. Let's rodeo, San Antonio. Thank you for those tickets. And so we were there, and it was, it was, it was awesome, but everybody's looking at the Louis Vuitton purses, right? Everybody's looking, comparing. Oh, man, that's what it means to be the San Antonio Rodeo. You got your LV purse. So I was in high school, and I wanted to be, I wanted to have that label. So I went out, and I bought me some polo shirts. I'm going to buy me some polo shirts. I'm going to wear these polo shirts. And I remember walking in with my polo shirt, and I had the, had the label right there. I was so excited, except my horse looked different than their horse. <laughs> it wasn't the same horse. I was like, no, man, this is, just the, this is the, new, the new horse. This is the new brand. Well, the United States Polo Association horse 
is not the same as the Ralph Lauren horse. How many of you know that? How many of you learned the hard way? Let's just say I put those shirts away. I never wore those again. I'm like, Mom, can you unthread them just a little bit? Spilling stuff on it so it looks different. We've, all, we, we, we've done this. You know, you, you, you bought, you know, the Folkleys, right? You, you've, you've bought different things like that. You're trying to, trying to fit in, trying to, trying to have the label. And we all carry labels, don't we? We all carry labels. We're hard workers. We're, we're talented. We're positive. We all have these different labels. Some of us have carried these labels of, of failure, disappointment, um, uh, things like that. Some of us carry a label as married or not married or son and daughter in, in this place. Some of us carry a label as uh, a divorcee. Some of us carry a label as an uh, unemployee or an employee. And we all have them. We all have them. I want you to write this down. The longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. The longer you carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. We see this in countless studies of, of kids where if you identify them and you label them as slow, they'll actually struggle in school. And if you label them as advanced, they're going to excel in school. It, it's a powerful thing. It, it does something with our psychology, but it's also maybe, maybe there's something to these labels. There's something to the words that are spoken. It, it, I know this, that some of us have been labeled failures, right? And so we're afraid to do new things because I'm a failure. Some of us have been labeled uh, as unloving. I'm just an unlovable person. Therefore, we settle in relationships that we should have never been in. We, we do this oftentimes, and in Mark chapter 2, we see a man who possibly could have some labels. This is the message version in verse 1. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum. When word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out. He was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. Now, can you imagine this man? A paraplegic in the time, somebody who was disabled at that point, Probably caught a lot of labels. He was probably a beggar, maybe a label of broken, maybe a label of unemployable, maybe a label of a burden. But he had a lot of labels that came to him. And in 2.5 it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed men, man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Seeing their faith. Whose faith? The friends. The, the four people around him to, to carry him to Jesus. Seeing their faith. Sometimes when you're carrying a label so much, you need the faith of your friends to fight for you. You just have to know that. You need, you need people to fight for you. You need people to believe for you because sometimes you can't believe for yourself when you have a label. You need people to come around you. 
I'll never forget this. When we started the church, there was a man named Rob. Rob started a small group because his life forever got changed by a group of people who brought him and had faith for him. They invited him as he's playing Texas State. They invited him to a small group. He gave his life to Jesus. His life was forever changed. And when he came to San Antonio, he's like, I need to have faith for somebody. He started grabbing a hold of a guy named Keaton, and he said, you need to come and be a part of this small group. You need to be a part of this family. You need to be a part of it. It, it matters, and I'm going to have faith for you. I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to bring you to this place. You need this. And what I love is Keaton took a hold of that. His life's been changed, and now he's our youth director at Luminous. And so I'm, I'm just thankful, right? Your faith matters for other people, and you don't know what will happen. Because transformation rarely happens in isolation. Transformation rarely happens in isolation. It happens in a community. It happens with people around you. That's the only, one of the only times transformation really happens. You need to be in a connect group if you're not in one. You need to be with people who are going to have faith for you. Because I'm telling you, we all will struggle with labels. We all need help. Seeing your faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Your sins. I, I, I didn't come here for the sins. I came here for the labels. I'm unemployable. I'm a burden to my family. I'm a burden to my friends. I'm an inconvenience. I, I came here for those labels to be removed. You know, Jesus is going around, and he's praying for people all over the place. He's healing people. It, it, it's amazing what Jesus is doing. It says that he healed so many, it couldn't even be written how many miracles he did. Now, now you can take into account, like, maybe that's hyperbole. Maybe, maybe that's a little exaggeration. But regardless, Jesus healed a lot of people. And they knew if they got this guy to Jesus, he was going to be healed. That Jesus could heal this guy. And he did, and he's lowered him. As they're seeing this, and they're having faith for him, they're, they're thinking, his sins are forgiven. What about him? What about all these things that need to be healed? And I'm going to tell you this, that Jesus heals the source and not the symptoms. Jesus wants to heal the source and not the symptoms. He wants to heal the source and not just the labels. Because if he heals a label, we'll just put another label over us. I'm unemployed. I got a job. Oh, man, my label. I'm, I'm successful now. And then you lose the job. Or that becomes the wrong label. You see, if we're trying to wipe out labels on our own, we'll, we'll put new labels over them and new labels over them. And those labels never satisfy. Jesus wanted this man's heart. He wants our heart, too. He wants to heal the source and not the symptoms. And the solution is not another or a better or a sexier label. Solution is a new identity. It's Jesus himself. We do an activation. We've done it here. We've done it in Engage the Spirits, but I think it's so valuable. We ask everybody to close their eyes, and I'm not going to walk us through that activation, but we'll have them close their eyes, and, and we'll just ask them, have them ask God one question. God, what do you think about me? Some of you have participated in this, and, and you hear usually a word or an image. Maybe it's son or daughter or loved. But the, the most often one I find is son or daughter. 
And that's what I love what's happening in the church today is God is making it known that I'm going to be your father. You see, he is the father to the fatherless. He is a father to orphans. And in a generation, in a culture where family is broken and there's no representation or the representation of Christ to the church, right? Christ to the church has been broken and severed. He's having to come in and he's saying, okay, I'm going to supersede that right now. I'm going to say, you're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. You need to hear that because there's so much brokenness and you don't hear it enough. Son and daughter is a powerful word. Son and daughter is a new identity. It's something we need to take. See, a, a label may describe you, but your identity in Christ will define you. Read that in Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All one in Christ Jesus. This is a hard, hard generation to be one in. See, outside of these walls, and we talk about this a lot, and I think we need to. Outside of these walls, everything's dividing. There's division everywhere. It's red and blue. It's black and white. There's just division and division and division and division. And guess what? If we were left to our own preference, we would be divisive. Consciously or subconsciously, we'd be divisive because, because it's our own preference. It's what we prefer. And if we prefer something, that means we're not preferring something else. And so Jesus just says, as you come into the kingdom, you are neither Jew nor Greek, but you are son and daughter in Christ Jesus. You are one. You are one. That's the mantra that we've been lifting up in this church. But it's a harder mantra to live out there outside of these walls that we're one. There's neither rich nor poor. Ethnicity is hard. I'm telling you, socioeconomical classes are even harder because you're going to go outside and, and the, the first week will come over you where it's comparing. Oh, man, look at that. They got the new car. You got the 2018, I have the 2017. This just isn't fair. We'll do that. And so we, we have to realize that we're neither Jew nor Greek. We're neither slave nor free. We're neither male nor female. What? I'm not even male or female. I have no gender in Christ. I, it's equality at its finest, isn't it? And yet there are things that he's wired in you because you do have a gender and you do have a race and there are things that he's given you. But, but, but in Christ, you're one. In Christ, is perfect unity. And in Mark 2.10, it says this. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home it was like amazing oh my sins are forgiven i'm new i'm awesome that's amazing he's called me son he's called me daughter and in an activation or in during worship or when you're around somebody and god spoke son or daughter you're just like mic drop i'm out that's all i needed that is all i needed but i still have all these labels and he heals them 
that's how powerful I am because not only can I make you new on the inside, I can give you a new label. I can take away those labels that have defined you for so long. That you're not that, but this is who you are. And as he goes out with his healing and his mic dropped and he tells everybody about Jesus and you've been there, Jesus has erected you, he showed up in you for some of you in this room and you go out there and, and people are like, who aren't you that person who got divorced is bitter? You're the bitter person. See, they know you for what you were, not what you are today. And they're trying to replace that label on you. But I'm going to tell you, instead of wearing a new label of offense, new label of, oh, instead of wearing that, he's asking you to do something different. You see, have you ever watched one of those church labels? You check in your kid and, and you put it on your shirt to, you know, for the security because we care about your kids and you have to have a tag to get them. And, and you watch it and it fades and it's like all residue, and it's still there. I'm going to tell you, a lot of our labels look like residue on shirts. They're still there a little bit. They're still there. And the question that I have for you is why? Why can't it just be gone? Why is it still there? I'm reminded of Joshua chapter 2. Rahab. This is in Joshua chapter 2, and she is the saving grace for the people of Israel. She is the saving grace for them. She is the one who, who allows the bloodline of Jesus to continue. She is a hero in amazing ways, but she is a prostitute. That was her label. A prostitute. Now, I don't know if she was actively a prostitute or she was a prostitute, but what I do know in the genealogy of Jesus, it says Rahab the prostitute. Are you kidding me? Can we get rid of that label by now? This woman just saved the people of God. She knows God. She fears God. She loves God. She's in God. She is amazing, and you still are labeling her prostitute. Why? Truth is, is that whatever the devil means for evil, God means for good. That means that, that your past can be used for people's life. You see what the story of Rahab the prostitute says is that Rahab the prostitute was loved by God, known by God, that there was nothing um, um, unseen from God. That means that Rahab could belong in this family, that Rahab, even though she was a prostitute, was still loved and cared for and accepted by God for God's mission. And whatever your label is, you're still accepted by God for his mission and his purpose, and he still calls you son and daughter. He still calls you that. And so whatever the label is, rich, poor, employed, unemployed, successful, unsuccessful, look at your list, whatever you've been writing down, what is on your list. And no matter what that list is, God is using your story for his glory. He's using it as a testimony of God's goodness, his faithfulness. And a label may have described you at one point. A label may describe you now. But Jesus is defining you. 
I was broke. But now I'm rich in faith. I'm rich in amazing ways. I, I was an addict. But now I'm free in Christ. Right? I, I, I was this, but now I'm this. I was unloved and unlovable. No one ever showed me that. I didn't know how to be. And every time I came around, I rejected it. But Christ moved through the hardness of my heart and showed me, you are lovable. You're lovable. And you're worth it. I'm unworthy. I was unworthy. That was a label. I was unworthy because of an incident. I was unworthy because of an act. I was unworthy because I lost my innocence too soon. But God saying, no, you are worthy. You're worthy of it all. Some of you know my story. But those who don't, I was 12 years old and I was clinically depressed. Anxiety at 12. Some people call that middle school hormones, but when you think about taking your life every day, I would say otherwise. And I was in this moment where I would have these panic attacks every time I was in a room and I had to speak aloud. Every time I was in a room, I, I would have a panic attack and I'd freak out. I went to a school in seventh grade and there was four people in my class. I was the fourth. We came in, I just wanted to sit there. I just wanted to fit in. I didn't want anybody to notice me, no attention. And she said, stand to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And that was enough for me to run out of the room have a panic attack and freak out and in that moment I, I left and and my mom had to homeschool me for months and it was it was just a constantly label that I was carrying that I was going to have a panic attack no matter what I remember in my junior year of high school the teacher said hey you have to, everyone has to do a presentation over their research paper at the end of the year I went up to the teacher I said I can't do that I can't give a presentation. I can't speak in front of people. It says everybody has to do it or you'll fail. How much is it worth? 25 points. Okay. I made a 75 in that class. I got a C in that class. I never did a presentation. I just aced everything. He thought I was doing it to despise him. But the truth is I did it because I was so afraid. And this kept happening and happening and happening. It was a label I carried. And then I fell in love with Jesus. And, and I cared so desperately about these middle school students that I was being relationally involved with. I was, I was, I was challenging them. I was discipling them. It was amazing. And then, and then we did a retreat weekend. And we were in a small group. And I had a co-leader. And I wasn't going to speak in the small group. No, I was just going to have one-on-one -on -one conversations afterwards. I was going to wrestle. I was, I was, I was going to show him Jesus through works. But, but I didn't want to open my mouth. And I looked at the leader. As we started, I said, okay, start. He goes, I don't know what to say. I said, me neither. And I opened my mouth. And I began to share. And walk them through this curriculum and lead this small group. And God started doing something in me. And, and this label started falling off more and more and more. And it was amazing what God was doing. And in that small group, there was a, a, a kid who got saved. And he let another kid get saved. They brought their family to church. Their family got saved. And Jesus changed the family tree because I opened my mouth. And I wasn't going to be defined by a label. And the truth is, is this, if we keep living the label that we've been known for forever, and it's something that, 
that we may think it's so precious, but it's absent of Jesus. It's not really who you are. Jesus defines you. He gives you your worth. He says, you're my son, you're my daughter. Church, would you stand with me this morning? I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Your labels may describe your past, but they're not going to define who you are, nor do they determine your future. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask you two questions. The first question is, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you don't know this Jesus who calls you son and daughter, you don't know Jesus like this, and you want to know Jesus, and you want to make him Lord of everything, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you today? Thank you. Okay, you can put your hand down. And the second one is, if you've been living a label, and you've been holding on to a label, and just like the word says that the enemy tries to entangle you so quickly and he wants you to constantly put a yoke on you, a yoke of slavery, a yoke of labeling. Jesus says, give me that burden and take mine because mine's light. Mine's refreshing. Mine's amazing. You just want to take off that label today. Would you raise your hand? I want to take off that label. I've been wanting to take off that label for a long time. I'm tired of that one. Jesus, I just pray for everybody with their hands raised, God. I pray for those who, who want to place their faith in Jesus for the first time. I pray, God, that you would do a work of salvation in their life, that they would confess with their mouth and declare in their heart that you are Lord. And they shall be saved today. And for those who want to get rid of these labels, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would move over everyone's life who wants to walk away from that label and get rid of it and take on identity as a son and daughter completely in Jesus. Today, would you do that? Would you speak that in Jesus' name? Amen.